Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Tonaries podcast. It's an autumnal evening here in the marina, and I'm with my good friend Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Sean is on the switcher. How are you, Sean? Not too bad. How are you getting on? And we have legendary cock broadcaster PJ Coogan. The show is on the other foot, my friend. It is. It is. And <laughs> uh, thanks for the invite, lads. It's been a while coming, you know. And uh, yeah. I said to you both on the radio a while back, you know, when am I going to do this podcast? And now I'm sitting here looking at the two of you. Mm. And you've more, you've more muscles than half the navy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're sitting there looking intimidated, which you don't even have to try to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Shit, what have we done? Uh, <laughs> one of them heads on me. Uh, put a big softy underneath yeah, it all. I know, sure, I know, I know. But uh, you see that, and Timmy talks about this, like, but that's uh, you can tell us, Timmy, yeah. about that exterior. What, yeah. What was the purpose of that back in the time? The purpose was just to keep people away. So I didn't get hurt anymore because mm. of um, because of the, the childhood I had experienced, yeah. Yeah. and you build up these mechanisms, and and my mechanism was the tattoos, the muscles, and the demeanor, the real angry demeanor yeah. that I had. You know, as in to say, <laughs> stay back. Yeah. You know, you, you you shook my hand when I came in here, yeah, and you could have taken it clean off if you wanted <laughs> to, and I thought. That's not the Timmy on the end of the phone. Do you know when we did the opera house? So yeah. we were backstage waiting to come on, you know, and you're kind of psyching yourself up. Mm. And Timmy's like, come on, and kind of pat me on the back, yeah. and he's nearly caved in my back with the big hand. <laughs> <laughs> that was an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. That for me, it was... Um, that was the highlight so far, wasn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I couldn't believe it, lads. I, when I saw what you'd done, I really could not believe what I saw. Mm. I knew that, like, I mean, okay, it was a Pat Falvey had that night. That's like, right. Pat had to draw all by himself. He is, yeah. Right, but I said, they've just sold out the opera house. Mm. There isn't room to breathe or stand in there. That, that's yeah. so much even, lads. That's yeah. so much. Thank we you. were on with you in the early days, PJ. That's right. When we were starting out. Uh, you, you went to, you went to, Tim, to Tommy first. Yeah. Tommy Taylor, yeah, 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 we <laughs> that's the, and then I said, I have to get that fella. Yeah. I have to get that fella. So that's where it started, you know, and it's great. Mm. But for you, we'll go way back. So for the people that's outside of Cork that might not know of you, mm. do you want to tell us where you're from and where you grew up? I'm as Cork as Tripen Machine. Yeah. Um, my my dad, well, my dad was actually a Kilkenny man, um, and my mom is from Cork. And I was born, bred, buttered and raised here and have been doing this job for all my life here. Mm. Went to UCC, went to college, went to college to Christry, went to UCC, got into the radio in Cork. Are you, of, uh, are you of Michal Martin's vintage? 
We would be close in age. He's a little bit older than me. He's he older than me by a couple of years. He yeah. got to that school as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He would have been ahead of me in school. I'd say he would have been coming close to his leaving when I was coming into first and second year. Oh, I see. Um, and yeah, um, but we'd know, we wouldn't have known each other in school. Mm. But I'd have met him obviously afterwards then, you know, through the, through the yeah. job. What did you do in UCC? I attempted to do science. There's, there's a story. I, all I, if, if, if things had gone for me, the way I once wanted them to go, I wouldn't be here. Mm. Or else you'd be interviewing me as a doctor or something. Because yeah. I only ever wanted, since I was as high as the table, I only ever wanted to be a doctor. It's all I ever wanted to be. And to this day, I still keep medical journals and medical websites. And my wife, a couple of years ago, bought me a copy of a thing called Kumar and Clark, which is this standard Bible for medical students. It's about that thick. And I have that. But when I came to the Leaving Cert, and this is the old point system. I don't know if you remember it. The highest number of points you could get in your leaving was 32. Uh, yeah, it was totally different. Mm. There was no hundreds and whatever. Mm. The highest number of points you can get in your, med in your leaving was 32. And the year I did my first leaving medicine was 24. And I got 19. And mm. I wasn't a happy bunny. No, to be honest, did I break my arse studying? No, I didn't. Because mm. I had actually discovered the music and the radio and all that as a hobby beforehand. I wasn't doing anything but except at home playing music. So I made a buzz at a first leaving cert. Got 19 points. Went back and did another one. And got my 24. And they put it up to 25. Uh, <laughs> now, that's like putting something up 150 points these days. Mm. To compare the two systems. Yeah. That's like putting something up 150 points. So, but that's it. I said, okay. you must have been good at I was, I was. And I kind of said, well, I don't know. Mm. So I had always had science as a second choice. And I've been into science as well, like since I was a small fella. Mm. And went in and started to do a science degree. Um, physics, chemistry, and uh, what else I do? Zoology. And maths. Uh, I always like maths and physics. But in the middle of first year, I discovered that I could actually do a small slot on a small pirate radio station, and I started. What was it called? It was called Radio Caroline Cork. It was a little, a little caravan out. Uh, do you know where the Galabi Veterinary mm. Centre is? Talker. by Dumpy Bridge in Talker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was in there in a caravan in a garden with Mickey Daly and a few more of them. <laughs> and some other people you'd know came out of that. Mm. I started cycling out there on my bike in between lectures. Um, the story is probably better told if I do it in the order. Yeah. I was at home one day and I got a notion that I wanted to be on the radio. So, well, I got up on my bike and I cycled out to where I knew this radio station was, knocked on the door, and Mickey Daly answered under his stage name, Dave the Rock Hammond. <laughs> I'm telling you. And it here down to here, guest man. Dave the Rock Hammond and invited me in and he asked me if I had a demo tape, which of course I didn't. Um, I was a pure greenhorn. I was barely 18. I wasn't even 18. Yet, so. And he said, right, look, he said, go in and get a tape made or come out and I'll let you make a tape in the studio during the week and we'll take it from there. So I said, great, we're off home. My mother was disgusted. Of course, you'll neglect your studies. I didn't like to tell her I'd already been neglecting them anyway. <laughs> and... Um, Next thing, I think it was all early and final day when they used to have them at a decent time of the year, like September, like yeah. they're supposed to be. And anyway, 
The phone rings on the Saturday evening. I've been out there about lunchtime. Saturday evening, about 7 o'clock, phone rings at home. No, no mobiles, of course. My mother goes, do you know a Dave Hammond? I said, hang on a while. I do. I'm not old. Hello, it's Mickey. Yeah. Um, I, uh, will you, I want to ask the match tomorrow. Will you do a 4 to 6? Shit, I'm on the radio tomorrow at 4 o'clock. <laughs> and that's how it started. And I was dabbling in and out there. And it's funny that I'm actually here this evening because I took a phone call today. And I can't really talk about it very much. But someone wants to... Um, somebody wanted to mark my 35 years in broadcasting. And I thought, that's nice. But hang on that cotton pick in a minute. You're talking That'd be 1987. Oh, shit. I just passed my 40th anniversary about two weeks ago. Mm, congratulations. Yeah. So you're the first ones to, to, to yeah, hear it. That's an exclusive film. That's, that's an exclusive. Yeah. 40 years ago. So, yeah. So, I look, then I went out the Sunday, did the programme. Was, was that a popular show at the time? Popular yeah, radio station? It was out oh, of a caravan, yeah. Jim. You know, it was like... But what, what was the competition? Was there a, was there a 96 there back in the day? There was loads of small pirates and some really bigger pirates. The big the big pirate stations at the time were South Coast Radio and ERI. And it was like Manchester United and Liverpool. You mm. were either a South Coast fan or an ERI fan. I was a huge South Coast fan. Mm. And I used to cycle around. I had a push bike. And I had a radio sellotaped onto the bars of the push bike. Like... This is before anyone had, even some fellas hadn't, hadn't radios in the car. I had a battery-operated radio strapped onto the bars of my push bike going around town with the radio on. That's how obsessed I was. And so I was a South Coast fan, and there were ERI fans, and I ended up working in both of the places eventually. But they were the big ones, and then there was loads of small little ones. Mm. And Caroline was about the smallest little one at the time, but the only really tiny one left. But it's where loads of people started. I mean... Mm. Ken Tobin started there. In fact, Ken answered the door to me that day when I went out. Mm. Uh, he was, I won't tell you what age he was. He was, mm. he was barely legal. And um, Paul Bourne. Paul Bourne had been there and gone, I think, at that stage. I think so. Paul definitely spent some time out there. Trevor Welch. Trevor started there. Uh, I'll tell you a story about that. About two or three Sundays in, I went out and Mickey was all excited. He'd moved me back from four to six to two to four. He says, though, he said, I have a very big star coming afterwards. He said, I'm going to sign in this film. Oh, great, Mickey. David, are you? Uh, Scott Jensen. Well, Scott Jensen, that sounds kind of sexy. Right? <laughs> well, 10 to 4 in walks Trevor. Because <laughs> 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 we, we all had names. Like, I was, uh, I was Tony Henry. And the reason I was Tony Henry was I found a jingle package somewhere. That had Tony Henry for some other place, and I took that. That's what, what pirates like. And then there was, and then I went from there after a couple of months. Um, but he actually more, it was a year or a bit, because the, the great Donny McKeown, the man who, and don't ever, everyone claims to have invented all these in Irish, which mm. I know listeners know many parts of the world in the country don't know what it is. Yeah. It's a Cork institution. It is uh, Sunday, Sunday morning. Gary O'Callaghan yeah. didn't invent it. Hugh Brown didn't invent it. Eric Griffin didn't invent it. It was invented and perfected by the great late Donny McKeown, Donny Hines. And Donny worked there. And um, I worked at them for a little while. And then I was approached, as you would be then back there, by a fella called Michael Shakey O'Brien. 
<laughs> and Michael Shakey O'Brien had just taken over South Coast. In fact, he was, he was running it. So he thought, this fellow's good enough. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I moved on to all these stations. with was South Coast. There was another one. WBEN was another rock and roll mm-hmm. station. Then. When did the radio become mainstream then? I got into ERI, which was, I mean, it was a big thing. Yeah. I just got into ERI. And about a week and a half after I got into ERI, I got a call from RTE because uh, I'd put in a demo a long time previously to a woman called Lucia Proctor. She was a producer. And she put me on the Maxi Show, which was this Sunday morning request show from around the country. And you did 25 minutes out of Cork once a month. And you were na- you're on national radio. So that's that was my national break. When did it go legit? The stations were legalised in 89. The new stations came on in 89. And I, at that stage, had been working part-time with RTE for a few years in and out, covering for these names might mean something to some people and not to others. Alf McCarthy, Stevie Bulger, covering for all these people uh, on their various programmes because obviously they, they liked what I was doing. But when the new stations came on, I got a start in what was then called Radio South. And that was August of 89. And Radio South, and any of the directors wouldn't say a word to me now for saying this Radio South is a mess. Mm. It, it, it was trying to be everything to everybody. And in the end, when you do that in life, you end up being nothing to nobody. Yeah. So it just kind of bounced along for a while. And then it was taken over by this crowd and taken over by that crowd. And it became what it is today, which is 96 FM, over a series of very painful divisions and moves and takeovers and but no it's like it's part of a global operation now mm. so you've been at 96 fm even there since, since before one. it was 96 fm i've been there since day one radio south april 1989 or august 1989 there since since day one. First job i did it was presenting the breakfast show mm. um because they they figured that that might be a good place for me to be is it one company owns all all 96 fm um, it, it, well, we're all owned now. There's about seven stations owned by Wireless Group okay. in Ireland, which is a massive UK and Ireland mm-hmm. uh, consortium. And they're owned. And there's, a, there's the 96 C103, and there's one in this Limerick. And there's a, so there's seven stations in Ireland owned now and operated by Wireless Group. It's a massive operation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of News International now, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, coming from <laughs> to a fellow who started in a caravan. <laughs> <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon in September 40 years ago to being part of a global organisation yeah. and they still haven't figured out. Mm. They still haven't found me out, like, you know. And you're, no, you're the, you, you have the opinion line. What, yeah. what kind of, it? I suppose you must be at 40,000 people a day, I'd say, would you? Well, we reckon that it's anywhere between, depending on the time of year and the survey you get back, it's anything between, anywhere, anything between 68 and 72 to 3,000. Go away, older. Yeah. Yeah, which is big, like that's, that's massive. That's yeah, big. and I mean, if you consider that there's another big, big talk show in this, there's two more talk shows in the city, you know, and you mm-hmm. still manage to, to pull that list. Who are the other two talk shows? There's Neil on Reddit, uh, Neil and, and Patricia Messenger on C103, my C103. company colleague. Yeah. yeah, and then of course, you're dealing, you're also up against Pat Kenny on News Talk, and you're up against Claire Bourne, and you're up against them all. So yeah. to be pulling a, a nice Ryan Hubbardy is on Ryan, well, Ryan is on nine to ten, yeah. yeah. And to, that's still your time, like it's still our time to be pulling seventy thousand out of that. 
you know, mm. at any one time. Isn't there a great happy. loyalty amongst your followers and listeners? Cork is amazing for that. Mm. Cork is the most loyal. I mean, you guys, you know, you're pure Cork. Yeah. When you started out doing this, you, 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 I bet you you sat at home going, are we mad? Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and then, like, I'll throw a question at you, Tim. Yeah. Like, when you walked out on the stage at the Opera House mm. and saw that you could barely move in the place, mm. how did you feel? I was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with emotion. I was just blown away that so many people mm. could come to see us. You know? You would, yeah. Mm. Jesus. Hang yeah. on. Well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But it it's was, a real honour that people yeah. pay money to come and listen to you yeah. and, and consume your content as a night out after a bit of dinner or maybe a pint afterwards that like it was i felt a huge honor mm. you know yeah and and that, yeah. that someone decides in the morning with such a plethora of media out there yeah to flick it my way it's the same every single morning you know and it, like it's like it's like i call it my big dysfunctional family mm. you know there's there's you and me and 68 or 69 thousand people it's only it's only myself and yourself now mary you're grand mm. <laughs> I like I like that but come here some people some people just have it naturally when they go onto the radio it's like they think it's just you and them and yeah. you're just having a conversation on the well, phone that's what I've got to do I've got to you know that. and yeah we'll go on like I, I listened to this clip there where, where on the radio there was this young lad he must be, I don't know who he was I don't know was it Neil Prendival he was talking to and he was talking about smoking weed or something like that I was saying to myself, does he not know there's about 50 or 60,000 people oh, yeah. listening to him on the radio? He's about being on the door and smoking yeah. weed four or five times a day. And There's a clip of young Flam McNeil and he's on about your man is out there getting assaulted by the gals and he's like, he got a bad one, Neil, a bad one, <laughs> yeah. a bad one. Yeah, I have a few, <laughs> I have a, I have a few of them. And what happens is people forget that there's an audience there. Yeah. And you see, part of it is my job to make them forget. Mm. Part of it, particularly if a person's nervous. I mean, when, when you came on with me first, mm -hmm. you were very nervous. Ah, oh, petrified. Right? And the same with yourself. Mm. Because I think you've done Tommy, mm. but doing it in your own city is different. It is, but every time you do it, it's different. Yeah. It's different personalities. And, and you, you don't know what's going to be asked. Yeah. And you were live as well, whereas mm. with Tommy it was pre-recorded. Exactly, and that is a safety net. You know, live does up the ante, doesn't it? Yeah, and and the thing about it is, we love to have people on live, but then sometimes you kind of say, okay, guys get really nervous. Yeah. But the the, the thing about just you and me, like that's that's the trick. And I may tell you now, I've completely forgotten that this camera is in mics here. Yeah. So you guys have it as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got it. Yeah. You know what you're doing. It's just the three of us. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes guests like we. A friend of ours, Dirren, she was on the podcast, mm. right? And uh, so w when we're chatting, like you'd forget, it's just a conversation. Yeah. But then the following day, she was on the front page of the Examiner, you know, national paper, with the content of the podcast, you know. So like, it is just a conversation, but it goes out to a lot of people. Yeah. And you never know who picks it up, do you know what mm. I mean? So that's why sometimes you, we have to kind of, um, not coach the guest, but uh, really give the information to the guest that, are you prepared to speak on this topic? This yeah. is what may happen afterwards. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's important as well, you know? I But you have a huge audience, but there's a huge responsibility as well for you, I think, um, in terms of, like, you set the tone for some of the discourse around some of the social issues, you know? You do. And you have to be fair. You have to try to be very fair, you know? And that's hard. That's gotten harder over the years. Mm. Um, I think there's a... The, the way... 
the way we 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 have conversation has changed a lot over the years um people are more conscious now of what they're saying mm. not because of the radio audience or the podcast audience but the social media audience mm. because i could be making a point what anyone you i can make a point to you you can make, make a point to me and we could sit here you might you might ask me a question and the answer to the question takes four or five minutes for me to properly yeah. find that out and somewhere in there there's 20 seconds and someone can grab that take it out of context take it out of context twist it around make a tiktok out of it and destroy me mm. Mm. has that happened yeah people have twisted my words yes but no one's quite gotten to destroy me yet because i know my words can be twisted, so i'm very careful yeah. the way i choose them you know but but you can you can twist someone's words a lot more easily now than you could do when I started, you know. Do you know before you got you, before you started doing the opinion line full time, what what was it like for you in ninety six FM before that? What kind of roles had you? I was news reporter. I was for initially I started as a presenter, and then I moved into the newsroom. I had no interest in being in the newsroom, but it was the newsroom or the hatch at that stage. Just there were changes in the company. Yeah. And I said, right, we'll give it a shot. I'd done some news reading in Pirate Radio. Um, and I was lucky to learn from some really, really good people, um, one of whom only passed away a few months ago, the great Brendan Mooney, mm. was a director of the original Radio South, Peter Tlusky, examiner man, John Murray, RTE's John Murray, mm. he was one of our, one of my news editors, and learned my trade from, from those great people. And then I discovered I had a thing for being out on the road, so I was in the newsroom when I had to be but when I where I was happiest was out on the road in the car mm. with a tape recorder and in latter days you know mini discs and the, the, when technology changed to allow me send stuff from the side of the road similar to like what Brian O'Connell does for Clareborn at the moment yes exactly exactly or what um I, any roving reporter really does yeah. I, I would be I would be where I needed to be on the day and I did I did politics local and national I did crime, I did the courts. I loved the courts, absolutely loved mm. doing the courts. Did them for 12 years. Did politics. Uh, politics and the, and the courts were my, were my favourites, but I'd do anything from an official opening to whatever. Mm. A couple of, couple of particular memories stand out was the T. Bonham disaster. What was that? Down in Union Hall. It was a trawler that capsized. There's, as you come into Union Hall there, there's a notoriously difficult area to nav navigate and this trawler was lost and it was just a developing unfolding tragedy as you go down there so we're down there with all the equipment all the gear no signal you're trying to get the work done at the same time you're trying to be sensitive and trying to be kind you know um and sometimes i think i miss that Sometimes when I see a big story break, and I know I'm going to be covering it on the show, I'd actually love to get into the car and go down there. So it's not the same. Like it's not the same. No, I that was, I think that was and that was, I think, in a way when I stopped being a presenter as such, a music presenter, and I went into the newsroom, I wasn't keen mm. for a while, and then I discovered courts, and election counts. Um, the next general election, whenever it comes, I was trying to work it out the other day, it'll be well into the mid-30s of the counts of elections and 
referendums and stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah. I love election. They're my favorite thing to cover as a journalist, election mm. council and, and courts. They're you exciting. Know, like, yeah. They're great fun. You know, when you're doing the news or maybe the interviewing mm. on your opinion line, mm. do you have to, is there a certain way to be able to speak, you know, s- even at the beginning and sometimes Cork people, me, James, a lot mm. of us, Sometimes we have our breaks in between sentences and it's um, and then we go back in. Did did you have to learn how to be able to have the flow of languages as well? That's a fantastic question, and it's it is it's a and it's an ongoing and it's a lifelong learning thing. Mm. I have a friend who is what they call a DTM, close friend. Um, a DTM is distinguished toastmaster. Oh, yeah. It is the highest honor that Toastmasters can bestow. And a very close friend of mine has a DTM honor for a number of years. I encouraged me, oh, five or six or seven years ago now, to become a member of the Toastmasters Club. Now, I did, and I spent about a year and a half as a member. <clears throat> I didn't progress with any of the awards or anything that they do. I just learned some stuff, because Toastmasters is marvelous for that. Mm. Uh, and one of the things they teach you is... If you're going to do, um, do it in here. Don't do it there. Yeah. They teach you that kind of thing. Flow is difficult to him. And it's something that people, I still listen to other broadcasters. And how the hell does he keep going? Mm. You know, and then I listen back to myself and I think I'm getting better at that. You're mm-hmm. constantly, as a broadcaster, as a presenter, you're constantly thinking about the technical mm. delivery of what you do. And flow is everything, mm-hmm. you know. And there are it's and it is a cork thing. We're very well, no, like uh, I'm not going one, yeah. you know. But that's how we do it. We think out loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it is it, diff- is it more difficult on the radio because do you know now, for example, on the Tommy Turner show, it's on the TV. Mm. So if, if we're having a conversation and there's a pause, yeah, and you can see the body language, you can see the emotion. You, but on the radio. Is that pause need to be filled? Then yes, and it doesn't need to be filled, and that's something that you learn. Um, Terry Wogan, yeah, had a saying: "Don't be afraid of the silence, my boy." Mm. And so it's, true, it, yeah. it's very hard to to learn it, and sometimes in the middle of an interview, it could be on the phone, but it might also be someone sitting opposite you. You know that they're coming to a point in the interview where they're either going to give a whole lot more and they're willing to give it, or they're going to clam up and you'll move to the next topic of conversation. That pause can give or take the whole thing away. And sometimes you'd sit there. Now, you wouldn't let it go more than three or four seconds, but three or four seconds feels like a week. It does. Right? Yeah. (laughs) But never fear the silence because sometimes the silence, what you do then if a person goes silent and I'm giving you a trick at the trade here. Yeah. When a person goes silent, you know by the way they went silent whether there's more to come. Because mm. you're listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. For what punctuation, what, did they, what punctuation did they use in their mind? Mm. Did that silence come with a full stop at the end of it? No. Did it come with a comma? Did it come just sort of with a kind of a, a semicolon where they're going to resume? Mm-hmm. And you sit there for that couple of seconds, and if you get it right, you can get the best, the best story you've ever had. Mm. And if you get it wrong, well, you still got a good interview, but there was a better story there. Mm. The silence can make people very, very uncomfortable. Can though. It? It could, like, even for... For any of us here sitting in a room, if we were sitting here, the four of us, before we started this podcast, mm. and we were having a cup of tea, and we were all chatting, and if we stopped talking for four, five, six seconds, mm. I guarantee you, all of us are waiting to see who's going to speak next, or which one of us is going to conjure up the next story to speak. Mm. You know, it's, I don't know, is it a Cork thing? I don't know, but it's like... We don't handle silence very, very well. No, because we don't know what's coming at the end of it. Yeah, mm. you know, it's like it. There's a there's an uneasy feeling when the silence lasts more than a few seconds. Yeah. But think about the times in your life that are silent, and the times in life that you are silent. An awful lot of those times is there's bad news coming, mm. or it's something negative. What we don't sometimes remember is that the, maybe the silence is a pause for thought. Maybe they're putting the thoughts together. Uh, and like the, one of the techniques that you learn or you try to teach yourself, or I listen to other broadcasters and other podcasters, how do they do it? And what do they do with the silence? Because we all learn from each other. Do you know, we had uh, Dr. Gabomat on the podcast mm-hmm. and uh, he speak, he's a very soft spoken man and he takes his time and in that podcast he's speaking he's not like the the punctuation at, at the end of when when the silence began i knew there was something to come and you just have to sit there and allow him time to develop his point because some mm. people like to take their time and there's pauses in between and they develop their their answers you know mm. and 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 it's just about allowing them and not trying to fill because we know we all know presenters do you know that they, they try and fill all the space then they kind of become you kind of interrupt the guests mm. you know and uh, you don't want to do that either the clock can be a problem as well because i was going to ask you to follow up on that bit is there a producer in your ear telling you 
asked Timmy this, well, we have to finish in three minutes, you have to say this. Is, is that happening now? No, I mean, because, well, I can only speak for myself here. Yeah. Um, like, my team are with me since I started doing the programme. And in particular, Fergal, Fergal Berry, and I'd say this, and I could, I, I'd stand on the top of Mount Everest and I'd shout it, Fergal Barry knows me better than anybody else in the broadcasting in Ireland. Mm. And we've been we've 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 been working together since he was just about seventeen years of age, mm. and so Fergal always understands what needs to come. And Fiona and others, Aimer and others, they all learn how I am. So the job of the person behind the window, it's like Sean over here. He knows you guys. He knows how you are, and the job of the team is to know how I am. So yes, sometimes I look for guidance. Sometimes, sometimes I'll actually say, "Help me here, dig yeah. me along here." You know, sometimes they'll hear me grabbing for a question. I make a lot of notes and make a lot of scribbles. And sometimes, what can happen is I get three or four words at the bottom of the screen. Do you know? Push a little or ask yeah. about. You know. Yeah. But no, this this myth that they're always in yeah. your ear, that's not good. And always being in your ear, and I've thankfully I've never had anybody who did it, yeah. because it's it's yes it's very handy to communicate in your ear. But if some people do it to the point where it's almost the broadcasting level of domestic abuse, it's it, it, it you can't do yeah. that. You It'd can't. be very off-putting as well. You yeah. couldn't like deliver your conversation if somebody's in your ear. That'd be yeah. very distracting. But if as well. they're if they're also asking you to do something that you you that generally don't, like don't feel like you want to do, mm. it can be contradictive, mm. and you 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 can. Yeah. Cause it can cause yeah. conflict. It can, but like uh, keyboards, keyboards have helped because you can quietly say, "Look, there's more here," or whatever. Yeah. But the communication between me and what's going on out with the, the lads outside, it's a very complicated conversation. Yeah, we're all, we all have a great relationship. Yeah, um, and but once the show goes on, that conversation is key to everything. It's and like it's, it's like me and Timmy. We've got a great relationship, mm -hmm. but we know each other so well that yeah. if Timmy see Timmy knows by my body language, my energy, if I'm struggling to get my thought, or mm. I know with Timmy mm. when's appropriate for me to come in yeah. and give him a dig out, or give him a word, or he give me a word, and you know? also yeah. it's when your team knows you well, yeah. you don't need the word in your ear because they know they by know. the energy. And they they, they also know. Remember what I said about hearing, but listening to punctuation and silence. Yeah, they know by my voice if I need help. Yeah. and they give it that's 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 invaluable yeah. that's great that's fantastic like you know? it's it's great going into a show like that because you know you're always going to be okay and you have a team behind you and they're going to like everything is going to flow okay because sometimes you can get a bit lost especially oh. if if there's stuff going on in your own life frequently you know? mm -hmm. frequently yeah. you know i mean you go on the air and sometimes you're there and there's something going on at home or there's something going on with one of the kids or you're worried about something. You have to just switch off yeah. completely because you can't, you you got to leave life at the door. And it's one of the hardest things that, um, that there is to do. Thankfully, I've never been in a situation where this happened, but I remember a story. We had an Australian program controller one time who told a story about a talk show host that he was program controller for. And the guy found out, he was on air at nine in the morning, he found out at 20 to nine that his wife had had a seizure and had been taken off the hospital and was on life support. And he went on air, did the show, 
ended up winning an award for the show afterwards and got off the show at was say 11 o'clock and promptly collapsed the mental effort of it yeah. he got through and literally the show had to go on do you ever hear of a soccer player called Harry Arthur he's a dub mm. he was playing for Bournemouth in the Premier League mm. very tidy midfielder but his child passed away and Bournemouth were playing a big Premier League I game and he went to the match and but when he was coming off the pitch you could see the tears in his eyes you know mm. but it's unbelievable professionalism you know but that's that's like when you're part of a team mm. you know and the other the other thing is true too I remember when my dad died um, my dad died in January 2018 and he, he died on a Wednesday evening and it was unexpected he'd been sick for a few years um, but uh, dad I was driving I was on my way to a gig actually I was going down to Formoy to introduce Christy Dignam and halfway down I got a call from my mum to say that she'd found now he'd been sick for years but you know he was hanging in there she'd found him he collapsed on his bed upstairs and he was he'd come around but could I get over so literally I picked up the phone rang I said you need to fall in for me I'm going home and I went home and he died two hours later. But that night, I texted a couple of colleagues, half nine, ten o'clock at night, like, you're changing someone's entire week. Mm. And I just sent a text. Um, actually, it was to Deirdre Shocknessy at the time, who was my editor then. Mm. And I said, uh, he didn't make it. Um, and all I got back was, go do what you have to do. Don't go back to ready. Yeah. And all of my, my employers at the time, that was what happened and that's I think that's key yeah like you're, they're there for, I, I'm there to do my job and but they're there you they're for there safety for net there like oh, they, get, my, they when, got your back when my dad died my employers were were beyond brilliant mm. they just said get out of here and come back when you're ready yeah. and not before yeah. no, you know if I go back to the 96 FM story so how did things change for you when Neil left to go for Red FM because you're, you're put into the limelight. You're in the biggest show. You are, yeah. Uh, like Neil. That's a that's a that's a, a weird story, actually. Um, we'll just give your side of us. Yeah, I <laughs> I had been I had been um, I had covered the show for for six months when Neil was unavoidably detained, shall we say, uh, a number of years before that, and just come back to a regular job, and. I remember I was sitting in, 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 a, in a person's kitchen doing an interview with them for the news and my phone rang and it was the office. Could you do Neil's show tomorrow? I said, yeah, sure. Is he, is he sick? No, no, could you do it tomorrow? I said, yeah, yeah, no problem, fine, fine. So then I was finished that job when home wrote the story, phone ringing again. Look, could you finish out the week? Yeah, all right. Okay, fine. And then, um, how would you be fixed to cover it for a couple of weeks? What, let's, what the hell is going on? What's going on? Mm. And sure, the following morning it was in the papers. Mm. Um, so then I was doing it, covering it for a few weeks. There was a kind of an interregnum. No one, no one really knew what was happened, what was happening. And I put my name in, obviously threw my hat in the ring and said, look, you know, totally. if the job is there, yeah, if the job is there, I'd be interested in taking it on and they said okay off you go mm. um there was a few other people interested and a few other people were talked to at the time but they they trusted in me in 2014 and that'll be nine years ago for next february 
think the reward was your loyalty to them. I think it might have been that. And, and listen, and your skill as a broadcaster and, and all that as well, like. But the fact that I knew the audience, I'd done the show, I knew the audience, the audience knew me. You could make it a very, and the thing is, Neil was gone to the other radio station mm. to be a big show across town. Mm. So I had the knowledge of the market to bring with it to the show. I'd never done a full-time show before. Um, and I must say, I, 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 the first year, year and a half, two years, I spent finding who I am mm. myself as a presenter. And I went through, when I, when I look back on it now, Jesus, when I listen back to the tapes of my first couple of years, I think, how the hell? But they, they trusted in me. Mm. They stuck with me. And in 2018, and I was proud of this, in 2018, there was an inaugural IMRO Award, the Regional Speech Broadcaster of the Year. And in its first year, I won it. Mm. So I was pretty pleased with <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, uh, you have very <laughs> stiff competition, obviously, in Cork. Exactly. You have stiff competition mm. in Cork. You have stiff competition all over the country. I yeah. mean, if you go to, there's there's Neil and there's Patricia here mm. in town. Then there's Damien Tiernan in Waterford. You've 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 great presenters up and down the country. And oh, okay, mm. that, that's that's that that's kind of a you know then you're doing something right. Do you know who I thought was a big coup for ninety six FM? Casey. I thought no Casey was on Red FM mm. in the mornings, yeah, and then he left Red FM to go to ninety six FM. Yeah. But I loved Casey. I still love Casey. Yeah. But I thought like I used to listen to see back in the day when it was the old radio analog, and you turned the tuner. Mm. Very rarely would you actually switch the tuner. But I think with digital, for me anyway, with digital radio, you're just pressing a button, and I think I, I switch back and forth between yourself and Neil, Casey, and you know whatever you know. So um. I think KC is great. Go on. It's one step better than that now. It's all these smart speakers. I'm going to annoy everyone watching this or listening to this mm. podcast. Alexa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> play 96 FM. Now, everyone's smart speaker has just gone bananas. Yeah. Right? Um, or I, one thing I used to, I did this last year when I put on a particular record that I liked. I goes, Alexa, volume 10. <laughs> all these speakers <laughs> but that's where it's gone I can be listening to a radio station in Japan yeah like that Do you know what I, that's changed the market I listen to Talk Sport which is an English mm -hmm. radio yeah. show but we have access to that now through the smartphones and the, the you know the, the internet which is great well, Trevor that you mentioned before Trevor does uh, Talk Sport Ireland that's now, right through yeah. ourselves it's on our app they, they supply us with the material and the Saturday afternoon Premier League Live it's one of our biggest hits but you know what I'd love for it to happen there and we digress a small bit but do you know the way Talk Sport they record their, they stream their stuff on YouTube they get great interaction and then they dice it up into like 5, 10, 15 minute clips and put up on YouTube but I think there's a huge market for an Irish version of that like you've off the ball and you've different people doing it on mm. YouTube but they're small enough and they're not great but I think Trevor would be the man like he's doing the Talk Sport piece but to, to stream that and have its own, have it as its own. Maybe in Ireland it's not big enough to have its own daily show, mm. but certainly, I don't know, a couple of days. Well, certainly Trevor's knowledge is, is unsurpassed. Yeah. Trevor's knowledge is, is, is not matched in terms of, like, the way he can combine a knowledge of the Premiership, a mm. knowledge of European football, and a knowledge of League of Ireland football, all in one head. Yeah. Yeah. I've never met a knowledge yeah. like it, you know. Yeah, and the contacts he has as well, but... This is not Trevor Welch's podcast. No. This is PJ Coogan's podcast. <laughs> we did. And listen, Trevor Welch is welcome to come on. But um, 
So when you start to do the opinion line, that really raises your profile mm. because you're not like you're the main man in the radio show now. Mm. I, I I don't know. You might be too modest to, to say that. Like, but it, the opinion line is the like flagship. It's 96, the flagship it, between ourselves and KC and Ross in the morning, and then there's me. That's the flagship six yeah. hours of the day. It is, yeah. Yeah. It so is, yeah. how did it change your life? <sighs> um, or did was it just like this is another show and I'm going to move into it? Oh yeah, I put it this way, right? Is there more of a workload involved with the opinion line than the news? Or what's in the, what's a broadcaster's day like? I always imagine, right? This is and yeah, and it's just fine. I don't know because he's looking to take your job. I'd love to go into the radio. I put, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I'm only kidding but with I, you. <laughs> I think you know, right? PJ goes in in the morning, and you can tell me shut up, no, James, you're talking bullshit. PJ goes in in the morning, right? He's on the radio at nine. He rocks up about half eight, has a cup of coffee, Deirdre or Brenda, whoever is on on the day, Emer. This is who we're going to have. Here's the notes. You sit down. You do the present. You present the show for three hours, and then you finish your day's work at twelve o'clock, and you go about your business. We sat in a week. <laughs> would you? Yeah. There's so much in the background, is there? Um, would you? Like, my day starts. The alarm goes off, of course, to six in the morning. But sometimes it doesn't finish until twelve o'clock at night. Because mm. you could find something changes entirely. Yeah. I've found myself going into my home studio, nothing like as impressive as this. I've gone into my home studio to do a pre-record in America at nine o'clock because it has to be done nine o'clock at night. So I get the guy. So I have a little small setup at home, and they do a lot of pre-recorded stuff. So I would be definitely, and I get home in the afternoon. We've all our podcasts to do. I edit the main podcast of the day. Virgil does other ones, and I do. I would organize tomorrow's stuff tomorrow's program has to be prepared and written up the notes have to be written and everything like that and i would be pre-recording stuff at home and then come the weekend like this particular saturday morning i put in about two and a half hours at home in that that's most get stuff ready for monday because if you don't like for for three hours radio five days a week that's 15 hours you'd easily do easily put a full 40 hour week into that without even breaking sweat and yeah. do you know if something happened in the world mm. overnight mm. that everything is pushed back and throw the whole thing out everything like it's it's like that in construction particularly in the main, maintenance market mm. you could be doing one job and next all of a sudden you get a phone call to come mm. over here and fix a broken pipe your whole structural routine of that week is gone. Mm. It's pretty much the same thing. See it with the Queen's death, there the whole of the UK media shut down, like and on the day of the funeral, there was nothing. It was broadcast. like a backlog. Everything yeah. closed. All the all the normal news stopped for a week. That's right. Yeah. Now, they'd been and they, remember they'd been preparing for that for years. It was called Operation London Bridge. Go ahead. But still, in oh yeah, they had uh, they have protocols in place, like people were booked to talk about the Queen's life. A long time before she died. Jeez. That's mad. All the contracts were signed. Like So, oh, yeah. I, Timmy, you knew her when she was grown up. Yeah. Uh, you'll be with me for the first three days after she died. There's your exclusive contract. You signed that. You might have signed that five years ago, ten years ago. Mm. And people came through for a rehearsal. Oh. That, the, the, the Queen's death, obviously in her aging years, the Queen's death was rehearsed at least once a year at BBC. Okay. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Like, at least you know. once a year. If not more. The amount of detail that went yeah. into but that. What I'm getting at is even when it did happen then, Tim, it still threw them. No. It still threw them. It wasn't you know? e- it wasn't expected, was it? No. Did she die unexpectedly? She, 
she she did she didn't I think I think I don't think anybody expected her to see out another year or two yeah. she yeah. was never going to make the hundred yeah and Prince Philip was short of it by 90 days she was never going to make the hundred her health was failing yeah. no one quite knows what was wrong with her but she obviously was unwell but that having been said in the end when it came her death was something of a shock but I'm thinking of something that would have changed the whole turn of a programme on a sixpence um We'll say I could have a very packed program some morning and you're going like down a particular direction. And let's imagine that, and it did happen. Do you remember the Manx Air crash mm. up at um, the airport? Yeah. yeah. That changed the whole turn. Of was that where Chris Luke was on talking about that? That's the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Um, that, that day, that the whole news agenda changed that day in seconds. And that is the way it changes. I love that. You know, you love having a program prepared. You love knowing yeah. at nine o'clock or half eight even, you love knowing where you're going to be or what you're going to be doing for the next, mm. yeah. what, three hours. But if if it all goes on, it's arse at quarter past nine. There's no buzz like it in the world. <laughs> you know, there is no buzz like it in the world. Do you know, you raise a great point. And I often thought of myself and Timmy's role in that. Mm. Like, if we had... If we didn't have our day jobs, like, w like we, we record podcasts, they're episodic. You don't have to listen to the the 10th one to listen mm. to the 11th one. They're all standalone. So you could record it today and put it out a month right. and still have its merit because it's timeless, you know? Mm. But I'd love to be able to respond to stuff that's going on, current affairs, stuff that's happened this week or today, and, and get me and Timmy's reaction to it and have guests kind of remote zoomed in. But it's just not having the time, really, to mm. do that. But hopefully... We can do this full time, and that might be another piece of content. You know, if we got the right people, you know, if we listen to all about funding, really. At the end oh of the yeah, day, you know? it's it is, and I mean, like where where you've brought it to already, yeah, is huge, and that's like that. I mean, but I know what you mean. It's it's episodic, and it has to be generic. Yeah. So like you, I don't know, you might not run this one out now for a, a month. Weeks, yeah, yeah. But you it, know, it has but to be manageable. For it'll us hold. To yeah. It'll hold. You know, that's the important thing. But um, before we finish, PJ, I just want to maybe, I'm not going to ask you about your favourite guest because that's a very difficult question, but maybe two or three of the most memorable memorable ones that come to your top of your head. Oh, um, I think, God. Um, actually, we were talking about him recently. Uh, you, you had him on here and I had Chris Luke on mm. when he marked 40 years in medicine. Yeah. Interesting guy. And it was funny, I was reading his book, or rather I was audiobooking his book on my exercise bike, and I did my sums in my head. Uh, this was maybe back in February. I said, shit, he's 40 years in medicine in June. Mm. So when I'd done my bike, I texted him. I said, will you come in to me? He goes, I'd be delighted. Mm. And he was nearly 20 minutes, half an hour with me. Um, there was one young woman and her name may mean nothing to you, but she'll always strike me. Her name is Lauren Walsh, um, and she has a thing called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And she's on Facebook. You'll find her Stripes for Life by EDS Journey. And Lauren is just an incredible young woman. She, there was a lot of talk about young people having nothing to do and being bored and whatever. And she rang me to make what could have been a three or four minute point. And we were still chatting an hour later. What's the syndrome? What's the condition? Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. 
And if she was sitting here, she'd tell you, her body is basically falling apart piece by piece. Jeez. All the connective tissue in your body stops working. She lives in constant pain, in constant pain. She young lady. 30-something, 31 or two. Mm-hmm. And she is, she's as tough as they get. She's been having a hard time recently. Um, I hope she's on the mend again. Yeah. I stay in touch with her through her mom. But she, she really, she blew me away the morning she was on. There'll be a few more people. There was a guy came in. Jonathan Sugarman is a man who tried to blow the whistle on the banking situation in Ireland back in 2007-2008. And he came to Cork to give a lecture. And he wrote a book. And he came in to me again for 15 minutes. And he was very nervous coming into the studio because he'd never done a live, live radio interview before. And because the content of what he was saying was explosive stuff. And I was nervous. So I asked Fergal Barry, who is very well acquainted with all this banking stuff, I asked him to sit in with me and do the notes live for me mm-hmm. with a pencil and paper. And we brought Sugarman in for 15, 20 minutes at 9 o'clock. And he was still there at 10 to 11 Queer. about the stuff that, he had spotted and he had tried to blow the whistle on. Mm. It's still to this day, it's our most podcasted and most mm. downloaded show of all time. He, like I, I could be here for the rest of the night no. telling you about really special people. You know, mm. there's another one actually, and you had her on here a few weeks ago, and she, she's one of my dearest friends, Jessie Whalow. Mm. What a story. Yeah. What a story, you know? Yeah. And you both impressed me in your mm. own time. Thank you. Both you, of you. You might have us on again down the line. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hopefully. But, uh, but listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, lads. We're out of time, and uh, thanks for taking the time to come to meet us. And you've been a supporter since day one, and you've always been very yeah. good to myself and Timmy and the yeah. Tonaris as a as a production. So uh, thanks for that as well. And thanks. people on our the same journey as ourselves, you've yeah. always been very kind to them when they come onto your show, and you've always given them the space and the time that you, they you, needed. Good to say that because you know there was a time, and just. I suppose a clear, serious point to close. There was a time when stories like yours and yours did not get told. Mm. And as I'm sure you'd both be testament to, if you, both of you, if you hadn't been get the opportunity to tell your story, both of you in turn, would we be sitting here today? No. 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 So let it breathe. If there's a story, let it breathe. And that's my... I think that's my motto. Whenever an an interview starts to go in any... I just let it breathe. Yeah, and Mm. one thing I'd like to finish on is I kind of add to that what you're saying. Because you've got a big... You've huge listenership, way bigger than ours, right? Now, we've got a big listenership too. I haven't filled the opera house yet. No, but you've got a big listenership. But the way you have to look at it is like, you know, the Hippocratic oath, what a doctor has to take. The main yeah. thing, do no harm. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a big audience and you set the tone for how pe- mm-hmm. people speak on people that use drugs, travellers, migrants, mm-hmm. people in prison, like you set the tone. So it's just like, yeah, you have to report on the story and don't divide them, but try to do no harm and be respectful and try to give context and stuff like that sure. in the reporting. And then hopefully people will have more of a critical eye when the court stuff is being read out. They might think, oh, not, not, not what a scumbag, but I wonder what happened there. Uh, I wonder, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So th- that's important. So listen, you're doing it, and thank you. Thanks, lads. Yeah. And we'll chat soon. Keep this, keep this up. It's massive. Not a matter. God bless. God bless, lads. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 